Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everybody. Welcome to yet another episode of Believe in the U.S. Men's National Team. Today, it might be a little bit of a shorter episode. Uh, returning from international break, we had a few players able to, to take a break, sit out on the bench. Uh, we got some injury news that it's probably going to affect the November window on a big player that we'll get to. Uh, we'll speak on what that means, and then we'll review the performances of a lot of the players who, who were able to get their minutes this, this week. So to speak to that injury news a little bit, uh, this morning, Monday, uh, the 18th, it came out that Roger Gonzalez from CBS Sports said it's unlikely we'll see Gio Reyna in the November camp. Um, yeah, it looks like that injury is probably worse than we thought, which is interesting, right? Because he got injured in that first game against El Salvador, the first World Cup game, or the, the qualifier game for us, excuse me, and he didn't come out. So it, it looked like it might just be a, an injury that he'd be able to get over quickly. Um, obviously, we saw that he, he missed the second two games of that window, but it seemed like something that wasn't going to hamper us for this long, and yet here we are going to the November window uh, against Mexico, and it looks like we'll be without one of our better players. So that's unfortunate. Uh, what does that mean for the U.S. men's national team? It means Brendan Aronson, who has been superb for the U.S. men's national team. He's uh, really been superb everywhere, uh, including Salzburg, since he made that jump uh, almost a year ago now. So it means he'll likely get those minutes. Um, hopefully Pulisic can be back by then and we can have the both of them. If not, um, we'll probably see more of Wea. We'll probably see more of Ariola. Uh, I expect things like that. Uh, and then we'll get into a couple of players later in the podcast who, who had actually had a good performance um, this week. I'd like to speak about Conrad a little bit. So, um, yep, that's the injury news on Geo. Uh, not good for the U.S. men's national team. Again, we probably didn't. I don't think many people saw this um, really lasting until November. And, and to see Geo miss that first that first World Cup qualifier excuse me, against Mexico is a bit of an issue, especially because he seems to be one of those players that – when the spotlight's on and the U.S. has a big game, um, in the few big games that Gio has played for the U.S. men's national team, uh, he seems to enjoy that stage. So it's a shame that we're going to be missing him. Um, and now we really have to look to Pulisic and sort of hope that uh, we don't go two consecutive windows without either of them. Um, but there's been less news on the Pulisic front. So, like I say, um, it probably means we'll see more of Aronson, maybe more of Wea, potentially more of Paul Ariola, So. Um, yeah, definitely a big mess for the U.S. men's national team going into the upcoming November window. But like I said, I want to talk a little bit about Conrad De La Fuente, who uh, had another good game for Marseille this weekend. Um, he So he obviously wasn't in the October camp, uh, and that was with Gio and with Pulisic out. So there's obviously questions of how much does Greg like him? Uh, how much value does Greg see in a player like Conrad? And um, to an extent, I, I do think Conrad probably doesn't fit the way Greg wants to play right now. Um, but if he keeps putting the performances he is putting in at Marseille, I don't think he's going to be kept out of the squad at all. Um, and that's even with the return of Gio and, and with the return of Pulisic in the future. So, uh, yeah, another good game. He was taking players on 1v1. He was doing what you expect Conrad to do. He was getting wide. Uh, he had the confidence to go 1v1. I mean, in the first five minutes of the game, he created a dangerous chance for Dimitri Payet, uh, which wasn't converted. But... Um, yeah, over the, uh, I think he played about 75 minutes. I think he got subbed off 75, 76. Um, he looked impressive. And I think, like I say, I think we'll see him, if not in November. Um, there was obviously people, you know, all over social media being reactionary to the squad. 
um, when it was announced for the October window. Really upset that Conrad didn't make it, but um, obviously I don't think we've seen the end of Conrad in a U.S. men's national team shirt, and I don't think we've seen him at the end of the cycle. Uh, I think he'll continue to get games for the U.S. men's national team, but um, continuing to impress in France, and that's the only way he is going to get called in because I think if his minutes drop there, um, I think it'll be hard for him to convince Greg if Greg wasn't already convinced. So um, happy to see that he's still doing well in, in a time where Gio and Pulisic are out. It's nice to see the wingers um, performing well at, at club level. So um, good news in France from, from Marseille and with Conrad. And then I'll give the people what they want. I'll, I'll bite into this Sergino Destet right wing a little bit. Uh, so he went, um, he played for for Barcelona at right wing this weekend, which came as a bit of a surprise. Um, I feel like a lot of people weren't even aware that this was going to be a thing until kickoff and, and once they saw his positioning. But yeah, he started out on the right wing for Barcelona and he looked pretty good. He had an impressive game. Uh, he picked up an assist on the Coutinho goal to, to finish the game off, made it 3-1 for Barcelona. Um, against Valencia, a game in which Musa came on and actually played a bit centrally for Valencia. Um, but yeah, uh, Dest long-term is not going to be a right wing. He's not going to be on the wing. Um, Dest is a right back for the U.S. men's national team, and I would be shocked if Greg Berhalter um, used him in any other way than a fullback, whether that be on the right or the left. Um, don't buy into to that performance at Barcelona. Don't get me wrong, it was a good performance, and I'm not saying he can't do a job on the wing, right? If he can do it at Barcelona and he can do it in La Liga, I'm not saying he's not a capable winger. I'm just saying long-term, um, I think everyone, including Sergino Dest, knows that uh, he's a fullback, and I don't expect Greg to be using him anywhere other than almost right back exclusively um, for the foreseeable future. So um, fun, good performance, uh, did well. Um, but I wouldn't buy into that, even with Gio out. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think there's anything to look into too deep with him performing at right wing at Barcelona. Um, for Greg and for the U.S. men's national team, I assume Dest will remain a right back, and that is what I would personally prefer to see. Yeah, so I mentioned uh, Musa getting a, a few minutes centrally for Valencia and just getting minutes alone against um, Barcelona this weekend, uh, which was good to see. Um, like I said uh, in the past couple podcasts, I do want to see him getting more minutes for Valencia, and I think it's a good sign um, since his injury he has been getting minutes. Uh, I would like to see his role grow a bit there. So um, good sign on that front despite the, uh, the, the short turnover from returning from the U.S. on. I believe it was Thursday he probably got back. Um, so good to see him start on the Sunday. Um, otherwhere, or excuse me, elsewhere in, you know, what would probably be our, our better trio of midfielders. Um, both Adams and McKenney were rested this weekend. Uh, Adams didn't make the squad for Leipzig. Um, and then McKenney did make the squad in Juventus' 1-0 win over Roma. Uh, but didn't take to the pitch, and that's fine. Um, Allegri said, uh, he, he trusts McKenney. Um, so, uh, again, it, it's, you know, the managers say what they want. And obviously it seems like Allegri often makes him the scapegoat. Um, but it's good to hear that he does trust him, and I, I don't think him not playing this weekend is a result of not being trusted, but rather probably just being rested, and we know he's not going to be going 90 for Juventus in an ideal situation anyway, so um, not too much to worry about on that front, but yeah, just thought I'd mention Musa, I think, got about 15 minutes, and then Adams and McKenney were rested, um, so after the, uh, the long international break, they were able to, to pick up some rest. On the other hand, after our Wednesday game against Costa Rica, Chris Richards flew back to Hoffenheim and was given a break. He didn't get the start, um, and then one of the center backs went down. So on very short notice and on very short rest, Chris Richards, was he came on the field for Hoffenheim, 
uh, slid right into that three at the back and played uh, more than a half. He came in in the first half at about the 36th minute, so quite about 50, 55 minutes for Hoffenheim, um, and he looked fine, but uh, fortunately for him, I mean, maybe not fortunate based on how a lot of the U.S. men's national team fans look at it, he didn't get a ton of minutes over the, the international break. Um, obviously, he played in that Costa Rica game, but had you know, Greg given the fans what they wanted, and he played close to 270 or whatever the fans wanted, whatever they thought of might have been more realistic. Um, it would have been tough for him to go back into Hoffenheim and do anything at all. So um, as a result of maybe getting less minutes with, with the U.S., he was able to step in when the, the role was needed. Um, and it was good to see that he was able to do that, and he didn't walk away with an injury or he didn't really walk away with anything that would alarm fans. So that was good to see. Um, but, yeah, on short notice, um, 54 minutes for Chris Richards after flying back from the U.S. Speaking of center backs and young center backs at that that um, are really fighting for that spot as the starting center back for the U.S. men's national team, um, getting less shouts than Richard, Richards and uh, Robinson are, Miles that is. Um, obviously Brooks is, you know, people feel the way they feel about him. Some people feel he's still the number one. Some people were disappointed with him after the, the first window. Um, obviously left um, or, you know, wasn't in the squad this window due to injury. So, um but Mark McKenzie, he started and he went 82 minutes for, for Gank in Belgium. Um, and his starts have, you know, they've been a little less rare. Or excuse me, they've been a little more rare than we were probably hoping when he had made the jump to Europe from Philadelphia. Um, but yeah, always good to see him get starts. He went 82 minutes uh, and he was only taken off. Um, he was replaced by an attacker when Gank were trailing the game. They were down one nothing, So he came off in the 82nd. They ended up conceding actually as a result of taking him off. But um, good to see that he was able to, to get the start for Gank. And um, he's a player that I like watching because a lot of people are looking at Richards. Um, a lot of people know of Robinson because, you know, he was obviously one of the bigger names at the Gold Cup going into it. A lot of people wanted to see him. Then he performed well, um, and then he had the good the good window um, the first time around, and then obviously he he had a big part to play um, with both Richards uh, and and a few other center backs. So um, yeah, I think McKenzie's someone who gets probably talked about a little less, but uh, I think once he can start getting consistent minutes, and I and I don't think that's too far. I think Gank have a few defenders um, who are probably going to get sold on pretty soon, whether that be in this upcoming January transfer window or in the next summer. Um, yeah, they have a few players who have had some interest even before McKenzie's arrival. Um, and he was actually seen as probably a replacement for one of them. And then the sales didn't go through. Um, but either way, I think he's going to keep getting minutes. Um, and I think his, his role in the team is going to grow as, you know, maybe one or two of the, the defenders get sold that are expected to get sold. Um, and I think his, his role with the U.S. men's national team will probably grow once he starts, starts growing into Europe. Um, so it's good to see this week uh, he, he was able to get some minutes. Um, and it wasn't just another week on the bench for him. Joe Scally, um, who missed, you know, this window. Obviously, I was, I've been very vocal of the fact that I think he should have been on the the, uh, the roster. I originally said in the beginning of the season, I think he could have an influence on the U.S. men's national team this cycle. Um, and as these episodes have gone on, and as he has progressed in Europe, and and as he's continued to be one of Gladbach's better players, I've changed. He could be part of this cycle too. He should be. Um, and I think even Greg acknowledged that, um, he was probably one of the bigger misses, um, in the fans eyes, at least from, from this past October window. Um, but yeah, he was able to go, he was able to play for, for Gladbach again. Um, he played at both right wing back and left wing back, uh, once again, showing his versatility, um, which is nice. It, it's something Greg's going to look at for sure. 
um, he, he's talked about in these in these squads, especially with you know Brooks going down, with Pulisic going down, with Gio going down, uh, excuse me, with Weah going down in that first window. Um, yeah, you know, you're not always going to have your ideal squad, um, and that often brings in players who maybe Greg trusts a little less. But uh, d- despite that, I think versatility is something that is Greg is going to be looking at um, for players, especially someone like Scali who who obviously has no caps for the U.S. men's national team. Um, so once again, I feel like I sound like a broken record every week talking about Scali and, and how his versatility is going to help him get into a camp. Um, but yeah, I mean, he just keeps showing. He played it as a right wing back and a left wing back this week. So um, I feel like that's something you have to acknowledge. Um, and I think depending on, you know, the injuries and how everything shapes up for November um, and beyond, uh, I think Scali, again, is, is going to have an influence on the team. So I'll keep talking about him until he disappoints or, or until he gets to a point where he doesn't need to be talked about, but it seems every week he is one of the better performing Americans in Europe. Um, so it, it's only right that he's talked about on this podcast. And then moving over to England, we've got a few players to talk about this week. Um, Zach Steffen, he was put in for City this week. He picked up a clean sheet. He made a nice save. Um, Pep Guardiola has been singing his praise since uh, Monday morning uh, in his press conference. He talked about Steffen, how he trusts him a lot how he's learning behind a strong keeper, uh, how he's learning um, in what Pep believes is one of the better goalkeeping coaches in the world. Um, And obviously he didn't acknowledge himself, but we can all acknowledge that he's also learning under Pep. So um, a lot of fans, you know, it's Turner or it's Stefan. um, And Turner's getting the minutes. um, And Turner, at at club level, excuse me, Turner's getting more minutes, obviously, with the revolution. um, And Stefan is getting at City. And then Stefan picked up. You know, he started that third game this past window, his first World Cup qualifier of the cycle and ever. Um, but yeah, either way, um, despite, you know, the talks of Turner or Stefan, um, it's good to see Stefan step in at City, pick up a clean sheet in the Premier League. Obviously, since he's moved over there, um, he's behind one of the best goalkeepers in the world. So he's been pretty much restricted to uh, to cup games, um, Champions League games, right? Sometimes in the after City clinched Champions League spot, they'll give him some minutes against the weaker clubs. Um, so, yeah. Uh, good to see him pick up the clean sheet, um, but yeah, I think it you know it might raise the question if he can um, keep performing at this level every time he's called upon. I think you can almost lose the um, it, the argument almost goes out the window of him not getting minutes. Um, you know, it's used against him that he doesn't get a bunch of minutes at City, but that almost goes out the window if every time he steps in uh, he performs. So um, uh, I prefer Turner due to being a superior shot stopper. Um, but, you know, Stefan's important in the buildup. Um, and it's not, you know, there's a lot of games where we can't get a hold of the ball. Um, so maybe, you know, Stefan isn't even right for the system Greg is trying to build because um, he might be ideal for the system. But if we can't control the ball, then 10 times out of 10, you, you prefer the, the greater shot stopper, which is Matt Turner. So, um, yeah, it's a fun debate to have. It really is. Um, but nonetheless, uh, yeah. Good to see him pick up a clean sheet, and it is nice to see him play in the Premier League rather than restricted to a cup game uh, versus a lowly Premier League side or, or team outside of the Premier League. So uh, nice to see him get some Premier League minutes for sure. Elsewhere in England, Anthony Robinson picked up a goal, um, and after announcing um, that he's going to be having a, a kid, his first child, he picked up the ball, put the shirt under his, or excuse me, put the ball under his shirt, um, you know, to, to announce that he had a baby on the way. Um, so that was good to see. A nice goal, too. I mean, it deflected. It was from a far way out. But uh, sealed the win for Fulham this week. Um, it was a late goal. He actually came off the bench in that game. 
Um, but probably something that might be talked about a little more, somebody whose position is a little bit less safe, as as noted by not being called up in this past window. Uh, Josh Sargent, um, yeah, a, a lot of people would have seen. He had a really big miss, miss excuse me, for Norwich this week, uh, late in the first half, ran at the keeper, and then from, from an angle he should be scoring, and from a distance he should be scoring. Just didn't put enough pace on the ball, um, intercepted before crossing the goal line. Some people said it wasn't even going on frame. Uh, nonetheless, whether it was going on frame, whether it wasn't, uh, the ball has to go in the net um, no matter what once he runs the goalkeeper there. So um, it's unfortunate because he had a strong opening 45 minutes. Uh, he was pulled after 76. Um, but, yeah, you don't want to see a striker missing an opportunity like that, especially when they're not scoring goals. Uh, it's pretty easy to see he's low on confidence in front of goal despite putting in decent performances um, with the ball at his feet, with his back to goal. Uh, he's not been a bad player for Norwich this season at all. I, I think the fans actually like him. Um, they're liking what he's doing. He, he's good in the buildup. Um, he seems to be an important player for Norwich when he plays. He seems to be one of the better performers. Um, but, I mean, if he's not going to put the ball in the net like he didn't really do at Bremen, um, like he's not really done with the U.S. men's national team, um, some questions going to have to be asked. And how long can he survive in the Prem? Um, obviously, you know, that that's more so you'd be looking at Norwich. Can they survive and can they last in the Prem? Um, and that might come down to someone like him. Like if he's not going to be putting the ball in the net, it makes it difficult for a team not getting a bunch of chances. Um, so maybe he goes down to the championship next season and maybe he kills it. Um, but at this point in time, he's obviously um, not very confident in front of goal. And I think misses like that um, really show that. Um, so despite a strong first 45, uh, it, it's always going to be almost overlooked by the fact that he missed a big chance um, at a time where he desperately needs a goal. Um, and Greg didn't call him in this past window, right? We know that Pepe's probably growing into that number one role. Pepe's probably the preferred striker. We know Greg trusts someone like Zardes. Uh, Matthew Hoppy can play wide. That's where Greg seems to like him. But he could also play a little more central as a number nine. So there's competition. Um, there's competition for Josh Sargent for the first time in a little while. Obviously, he's had his battles with Zardes, but I think a lot of people have viewed Sargent as the guy for a while, even despite not scoring. He, he's been a class above most of, you know, the people, um, you know, also fighting for that position. But since Pepe's emergence, since Hoppy's emergence, since Zardes just keeps scoring goals, PFOC puts the ball in the net. Um, yeah, I mean, Sargent has competition, and, you know, there's a reason Greg didn't call him in this past window. And if he's going to be missing chances like that when, you know, other players around the world in Switzerland... And the MLS are putting the ball in the net at a decent rate. Uh, it's it's a tough look for Sargent. Um, and those good performances are going to be overlooked by misses like that when you're a striker who isn't scoring 100% of the time. Um, but yeah, hopefully we you know we could see him put the ball in the net soon, and hopefully he can. Um, this lack of confidence can be sort of uh, finished by a goal, and uh, and he'll continue scoring from there. But uh, things are not looking great for Sargent in front of goal right now, and it's definitely concerning. Um, to Greg and his staff, uh, to Norwich, who, you know, they paid a decent fee for him, uh, and we're hoping he'd put the ball in the net. So, um, yeah, the, the miss was a big deal, and a lot of people draw it up as just one miss, whereas others look at it as a series of misses um, or just a series of games where he's not scoring. But nonetheless, until he starts putting the ball in the net, um, if Greg didn't call him in in this past window, I'm not sure um, Sargent is doing enough, um, you know, if he's not putting the ball in the net, he's not doing enough to get called in for Greg, um, especially when Pepe has been one of the more lethal players in CONCACAF since joining the U.S. So, um, yeah, 
you know, tough miss for Sargent, and there there is implications with that. Um, it means he's not confident, um, which I don't think is too much of a secret that he's not too confident in front of goal. But um, had that you know had that gone in the net, despite being essentially an empty net after he ran to the keeper, um, or not essentially, but actually an empty net once he ran to the keeper, uh, maybe it would have done his confidence a world of good. Um, but he didn't put the ball in the net, and it's going to hurt his confidence probably more than a goal would have helped it. So, um, yeah, not good for Sargent on that end. But like I say, good 45 prior to that. It's just always going to be overlooked by a miss like that. And to conclude this episode, like I said, it would probably be a bit on the shorter end due to, you know, a number of our key players, A, injured, and then, uh, you know, Adams and McKinney and a few others being rested this week. So um, to end this episode, I actually want to start with a bit of a new segment that I'm probably going to finish off most of these these uh these upcoming episodes with um at least for the remainder of the mls season i'm just gonna pick a game each week that i think a lot of you know u.s men's national team fans might have interest in um and there's a lot of us mnt fans who don't follow mls so um and i don't feel i do a good enough um job maybe talking about either mls players or mls as a whole on this podcast so i'm just gonna finish off a lot of these episodes with maybe talking about a game in mls everybody might want to have a look at this week um and then a game in europe that you know some fans might have interest in so for this week i picked dc united versus new england that's going to be on wednesday night um 7 30 eastern uh I-, I picked this game for a couple of reasons um one is kevin paredes um left wing back uh, i mean versatile but played a lot of his games at left wing back for um dc this season he's being looked at by salzburg right now um of course, where Aronson is at, uh, I write a report that he could be an Aronson replacement. Um, he's definitely not a like-for-like like replacement in terms of positioning. But, um, yeah, he's a really good young player. Um, I believe right now he is 18 years old. He's part of that 2000, excuse me, 2003 class, um, which I have a lot of people excited. Um, he's one of, the, one of the top players in that class. Um, but, yeah, and then so you get him, and then you get to see Turner, um, who didn't actually have his best game this past week against Chicago. Um, you know, but with everybody talking about the Turner and Stefan debate, I think tuning into Turner more often than not, you're going to get a performance, um, where he makes a few good saves. Um, he's actually at the base of a strong new England team. So, um, you know, he doesn't even always get the opportunity to make those saves, but I think a lot of people who prefer Stefan, um, don't either don't watch a lot of MLS downplay MLS or uh, maybe don't acknowledge um, Turner's shot-stopping ability. Um, so, yeah, I think if you get to watch that game, you'll get the opportunity to see Turner make some good saves, um, you know, if called into action, and you'll get to see Paredes, who I imagine isn't too far off Europe, whether that be Salzburg or elsewhere. Um, we've heard uh, a few other teams scouting him, um, even prior to the Salzburg uh, news breaking this week. So, um, yeah, I think that's going to be a fun game to watch. And then for the European game, um, it's not always obviously going to be a Champions League or Europa League week, um, but this week it is, and this week it's another Wednesday game. I'm going to pick Salzburg and Wolfsburg as obviously it's a Champions League game, and you get to see Brendan Aronson likely take on John Brooks. Um, so that'll be exciting. You get to see two Americans in the Champions League going head-to-head. Salzburg is yet to lose this season. Um, I believe they've taken four points from their Champions League games. Um, they beat Lille in the past, the past match day. Uh, and then they tied Sevilla earlier in the season on, on match day one of the Champions League. So um, Wolfsburg is another tough test for them. Um, they're running through Austrian competition. I think they have like 10 wins in a draw in 11 games or something like that. Um, and, and they drew this week actually um, when Aronson was out. 
But, um, yeah, so I think, you know, you get to see two Americans. You get to see Brooks, who um, a lot of people, I feel like, aren't watching in Europe. Uh, and they based a lot of their, their criticism, um, and rightfully so, uh, in that in that first World Cup qualifying window. Um, but I think if you don't see him in Europe, uh, it's hard to, to really gauge how, you know, what his form is like. Um, and maybe a lot of people haven't even seen him since that. So I think you get to see him, and then obviously a lot of people will be excited um, to watch Brendan Aronson in the Champions League. So hopefully they both start, and hopefully we both we get to see the both of them. Um, and those are my two matches for the week that I think you know Americans can hopefully tune into. I know obviously the um, Champions League game is going to be midday for a lot of people on a Wednesday, so maybe not everybody's able to watch it. But um, set your recordings for it if you're able to. Same goes for the New England versus DC game if you have interest in that. Like I said, there's a few talking points there. I think there's a player you might want to watch before he makes the jump to Europe. Um, and then with the Turner and Stefan debate, I think um, that'll be a fun game to watch as well. So those are the two games I would like everybody to watch if possible. Um, I almost feel like I'm setting people uh, some homework the way I said that. But um, yeah, just two fun games I think American fans will have interest in. So if you have time, I'd recommend you watch that. Maybe that's how I should have phrased that more than it making me sound like I'm giving everybody homework. So um, that's the episode for this week. Uh, I'd like to you know finish off these episodes, like I said, with, with recommending a couple games for Americans to watch. Um, so, you know, that's the first the first edition of this. Thank you for listening, everybody, and I will see you all next week. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube